0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio
1: app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy
2: on any podcasting app.
0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White here. We have a very special guest host this morning. My skillet buddy, Carol Palmer, is away, so this week we have a true friend of the show, Chef Enrica Williams joins us, and we will be your guides this morning. The history of the city of Natchez holds some of the deepest and richest history of our state. It is, in fact, the original creative economy. Today we will dive into the rich culinary history with Chef Jerika Frazier-King. She and her Natchez Heritage uh, School of Cooking share the story of Southern food and Southern cooking and was recently featured on a Hulu docu-series, Searching for Soul Food. Malcolm White here. Carol Puckett Palmer is away today, so we have a special co-host today. Enrica Williams, the chef, Enrica Williams.
1: Good morning, Enrica. Good morning, Malcolm. How it goes? I'm good. I'm good. I am excited to be um, co-hosting. I, I was just here last week. And,
0: and You're here fun. more often than I am.
1: I, when I finish the show, the first thing I think is like, when can I come back? And here you are. And here I am.
0: In the in the co commander chair. Yeah,
1: this is different. This is cool. <laughs> Good.
0: Well, we're so glad you're here. Thank we're you for We're also glad that me. you're always available to be on the show. And, oh, for uh, you
1: guys, absolutely.
0: You often call in when we need expertise, or you show up, or or anyway, you've been a great friend, Thank and we you. appreciate you. And it's great to have you this morning. Uh, uh, you know, unscripted. We were just having a conversation about cheese straws mm-hmm. uh, because Java came in and said something about cheese straws, and so we were. <laughs> talking about our <laughs> cheese straws southern and mm-hmm. I asked you if you'd ever made them and you told me a story about making them yeah. for, for one of carol's parties yes. that you catered. Yeah,
1: I, I did. Carol asked me. She requested uh cheese straws. So I think I cut them in the shape of little gingerbread men. Um mm. but it was for a brunch. Um the first time that I remember making cheese straws was in culinary school. Um decades Which ago. Which was in Atlanta,
0: right? It was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm.
1: The first time that I actually tasted them like outside of making them in class was I believe in some place in Charleston I went as part of a a group to work with um Sean Brock, Chef Sean Brock oh, and yeah. McGrady's he had a dinner and so a group of us were um invited to help prep. And so that was one of my first experiences of having cheese straws. And I thought they were the fanciest cheese and cracker things. You
0: like, know, I love them. I love them if they're hot. Yes. And I yes. like hot and I like snap, which yes. is another thing about yes. hot dogs that I like is snap. Same. <laughs> I,
3: I do,
1: too. I, I, You know, and I am very partial about hot dogs. I'm not going to use the word snob, but whatever, I use the word snob. I, it has to have the snap and it's the skin. All right. Is the quality of the hot But dogs. where are
2: these hot cheese straws coming from? Because the only cheese straws I've had will come out of the package.
0: Well, they can so. come out of the package and still be hot. <laughs> so when we say know. hot, we're talking about spicy hot.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Like a little hot sauce or cayenne. So cayenne, or mostly, You yeah. put it in the batter before uh-huh. you bake them, and yeah. they've got a really nice little burn. they so yeah. I'm not a spicy guy, so I wouldn't yeah. know anything about that. They're a great cocktail they uh, are. food, and you described them the way... Uh, your grandmother described them as a card party.
1: Yeah, food. like yeah, because well, my grandmother um, was a notorious. Um, She'd have her ladies over, and they would play um, five up and bid whiz, and she would bring out the. The crystal um, punch mm. bowl, and she would make frappe. She would make tuna sandwiches and cut the crust off. And so Ooh-wee. I think about those little melty mints. Mm. And so, and so whenever when I tasted and had the cheese straws, I thought of like this is this has to be things that ladies who just got together to do nothing but gossip and enjoy each other's company. Because it was it's I don't know it just quintessential, right. you know. Um, southern ladies who snack lunch. food yeah
0: i love them for sporting events i love mm. to watch you know football baseball basketball on tv and and have a a jar of the
1: and you know what else you should have with it cheese the, straws a mm. little so the cheese straw with the snap and the spice do a little bit of honey or just a drizzle of um sorghum or some sort of molasses just a little bit mm. cuz it'll give you the cheesy the spice and the sweet and, and so it's salty and the salty. Mm. So it'll be, it's like a little a little quaint um, um a mommy bomb. So a mommy bomb. Yeah. You mommy, a mommy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. So and another thing I asked you about before we went on the air is if you'd ever heard the term larapin. And the reason I ask is that I was having brunch. With MPB's own Bill Ellison of Grassroots and the Mississippi mm-hmm. Broadcasting Foundation. We were having brunch at Elvi's the other day, and I looked over there and he looked at me and he said, Ooh, this is <laughs> laraping good. And I thought, what in the world are you talking about? So I asked Enrique, have you ever heard the I term have Larapin? I've
1: never heard of that term.
0: Well <clears throat> it is. An old word that describes food that is so delicious that you are lost for words. Mm -hmm. It is food uh, that is exceedingly good. It is, of course, a southern term, Mm -hmm. larrivin, although it says that it's currently in use in California, and I don't know (laughs) what that's about. (laughs) But it is an adjective used to describe a particularly delicious dish or meal. Mm, like a cheese straw, larapin good. Mm-hmm,
1: larapin good. So I what's like the
2: it. last larapin good meal that you've
0: had, Malcolm and Enrica? Sure. Mine's easy. Last <laughs> night's dinner was, was larapin. We grilled these uh, chicken kebabs yeah. that Kara marinated in some exotic, I think it had uh, yogurt, and tomato paste. Mm-hmm. It was this wonderful marinade, and I, and then of course used peppers and yeah. onions, and and then skewered them, and I cooked them over the charcoal grill outside, and Ooh. and it was lerpin, and it went with a side dish that I had made last week, of mm-hmm. uh, ratatouille made Creole style, okay. which again was just I made it. I used roasted hot peppers. Mm-hmm. When I roasted my eggplant, mm-hmm. and then when I folded all that into these fresh tomatoes and squashes, there was a bit of, a of nice heat. A little heat. And we served that as a side dish. That so that's my last that, larapin yeah. meal. I
1: mean, even the way you described it is very larapin, so <laughs> I can only imagine how it tasted. Um, the last larapin meal that I had, um, my family and I, we just we did a, a, a day trip where we spent the night in Biloxi. And so we were looking for um places to eat so we had brunch on the way out at um the filling station. And yesterday was the first day that they offered um brunch and um it was a group of 12 of us and I got the um they had a drum um fillet mm. over angel hair pasta and they had the um the, the poncha train sauce. Oh boy. With it and it was so light. And then it was so flavorful, and it was just so fresh. And, like, everybody at the table had, like, these different things, so we were just, like, termites. Everybody's (laughs) just trying all of the things, and every bite of everything, it was just more and more larapin. (laughs) We're just like, this is so... Good. And, and that's
0: the filling station.
1: The filling station, and if, if I'm not correct, it's been open since 2009, so I had heard about mm-hmm. it um, before, but that whole meal, the experience, the location, the everything was everything. super larapin.
0: And for our listeners, you, you said that your entree was a, a drum, which is a fish in the redfish mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. know, redfish is a drum. Yes. Fish, so... People don't say redfish that much anymore because it's more scarce than it used to be. So we we use the black drum, the Uh baby drum, these different fishes that are of the same family. Right. Okay, now here's a dish that I had in Virginia this past week. Uh, You and I were talking about Virginia food, you know, what's native to Mm -hmm. Virginia. And I said, you know, the country ham and... uh, I can't remember what the other thing I told you was. Sausages? Um, yeah, oh, sausages. the, yeah, oh, sausages. And the, and the
1: Chesapeake, uh, like the crabs. The crabs yeah.
0: up in the Chesapeake yeah. area. But we had a dish called small lima bean salad mm. that was cooked lima beans, feta cheese, salt, uh, green onions, celery, olive oil, lemon juice, parsley, and oregano. And it was just Baby lima beans made into this salad and was just absolutely delicious.
1: I can taste that even as you, I love lima beans anyway. So uh, the baby lima beans, cold with those ingredients, sound Mm. very refreshing.
0: We also took a day trip, uh, Java, and drove up and visited uh, the Red Truck Bakery, who, you know, we've had. Uh, them on the show before, and uh, I wanted to see it for myself, so we drove up the country to Marshall, Virginia, and uh, went in and got a pie. We got a strawberry rhubarb pie and a sandwich, Mm -hmm. and, you know, had an experience there with the Red Truck Bakery.
2: Yeah, and that's uh,
0: uh, owner
2: Brian Noyes, right. who we've had on the show. And um, if you want to listen to the podcast,
0: he was back in October of last year. Yeah, and, and Brian's been here twice to to promote both of his books, The Red Truck Bakery and the other one is called The Farmhouse. Uh, yeah, The Red something. Truck. I think it's
2: The Red Truck Farm, because we made a joke like you just took the bakery and switched it with the farm <laughs> <laughs> and or the barn. It was something like that.
0: And the last time he was here, he did a really interesting event, Enrica. He, he had a book signing and a reading and a Q&A in Eudora Welty's garden outside. How beautiful. Because he had grown up mm-hmm. loving her work and got a tour of her house and then hosted this event mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Lemuria out in the uh, garden, and it was really great.
1: I love when those things connect like that, your inspiration and something that you created, and you get to like bring all of that background full circle. So we got a caller
0: uh, has from Rueville, Mississippi, one of my favorite Delta towns. Jackie's <laughs> calling and has a comment of, about some sort of dish. What you got, Jackie?
3: When Festus Hagen on Gunsmoke ate food that he really thought was good, it was plum
0: larapin. Ah, Festus. Now, see, this, this works. This is perfect for me because I know for a fact that Bill Ellison is a big gun smoke uh, aficionado. So he probably heard that term uh, coming out of Festus's mm-hmm. mouth. So plum yep. larapin. Plum
3: larapin.
0: Well, thank you, Jackie. Uh, how's everything in Rouleville?
3: Well, I'm
0: laughing. <laughs> we we forever miss Duff Dura, who was one of the oh, most yeah. well-known uh, rule villains oh, yeah. uh, on the planet. And I uh, I saw you last week. Someone had painted a picture of, of Duff and put it on the internet. But I think about him all the time. He was one of the founders of the band The Tangents. And uh, oh yeah, he he left us way too early. He did.
3: You're most definitely right.
0: Good man, Jackie. Thank you How for much? listening, and uh, thank you for calling in thank and, you so much. and sharing your plum larapin, uh expression with us. Uh, so, another thing I was thinking about this, as all of Mississippi's produce begins to come in, mm-hmm. the farmer markets. Uh, you know, everybody says, you, you know, do you want some cucumbers? Mm-hmm. Do you want? Do you want some tomatoes, mm-hmm. squash? Gosh. And, of course, that's the reason I made uh, the big pot of Creole Ratatouille. But when I drive up and down Highway 49, I'm always sort of amazed at the branding of Smith County.
1: Listen, we on the way to Biloxi, we were just in awe and amazement at just, you know, I I said, said, just how far is. It's Smith County. Like, how big is it? Because on 49, that's all we saw were just like, you know, um, watermelon trucks and signs, you know, hand painted Smith County Watermelon. And we were just driving and driving and driving. And we just continued to see the the Smith County um, reference. And I, 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 so I'm glad that you brought that up because I was like, I, this is good marketing.
0: It is good marketing, and they're very successful yeah. with that. Um, and I have actually talked to the uh, county agent down mm-hmm. there about this, and uh, it, he gave this explanation. He said the reason the Smith County watermelons and tomatoes and squash and cucumbers are so good is because we use old-fashioned farming techniques. Mm-hmm. We don't use a lot of chemicals. Mm-hmm. We take care of our land. Mm-hmm. We are particular about the way that we farm. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't doubt that, mm-hmm. but I also think that it is a huge marketing program, The totally. Smith County Produce. Because even when you go to the farmer's market, there will be signs that say, yeah. Smith County Tomatoes, yeah. Smith County yeah. Watermelons.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. I've had chef friends that have that do not live in Mississippi who have messaged me about a Smith County Watermelon. And I said, you know, they were like, where can I get one? And I said, honestly, I would get it from the side of the road um, because everyone now has has latched on to the idea of what a Smith County um, Watermelon represents. But it may not be in quality and it may not be, you know, in the best standard of what a smith county watermelon should be so i just tell them to go and find some some lovely farmer on the side of the road and talk to them about their watermelons and to get one
0: absolutely that's the best place to get any produce if you can from farmer markets absolutely or or farmers who've set up on the side of the road well you know we're going to talk later on in the show uh, about searching for soul food in the docuseries but and it features a great friend of yours and mine, Nick Wallace, mm-hmm. and I see in the news that Nick is in London mm-hmm. right now uh, at a National Geographic Traveler Food Festival representing Mississippi, and he is showcasing, among other things, tamales.
1: hmm
0: You ever had any of Nick's tamales?
1: I have not had any of um, Nick's tamales. Um, I love Delta tamales. Just, ah. I like tamales in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm more partial to Delta tamales in a way. The more I discover and learn and uh, just meet people, I'm just still drawn more to the Delta tamale. I'm not sure why, but it's just really delicious.
0: Is it a flavor, a packing, or a... Style. When you say delta, mm-hmm. what do you mean? When you well, say when
1: it? I think when I think of delta tomatoes, I think of the like the cornmeal, the masa, and it's cooked in the the chili, the um, chili powder, paprika, the seasoned. You know, it's very red. With the you eat it with. It's in a corn husk. Sometimes I've had them with um, pork, and I've had them also like with chicken inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that I use the saltine cracker to break it and eat it with hot sauce like those are the ones that I that I I think it's more of um, I think it's a it is a traditional thing and I also love to hear the stories about different families and their preparation of it so I think it's that connection for me and they and they just taste very unique to me. If someone was to say, what is Mississippi tastes like? I would go over the catfish. I would go over the barbecue. I would go to the Delta Tamale for one of the things, you yeah.
0: know, that's, that's a great point. I love Tamales. Mm-hmm. I love Delta Tamales. I like all sorts of Tamales. Um, but you know, you, you say, what does Mississippi taste like? I was thinking the other day, I had all of these fresh tomatoes mm-hmm. that David Patterson shared with me, and I was doing everything under the sun with them. I stewed them with okra, uh, I made a ratatouille, uh, I sliced them and put them on BLTs, I made a fried egg sandwich mm-hmm. and put a slice on it. But I just, and as I was eating this tomato, I thought to myself, this tomato tastes like dirt. In a good way. And it tastes like Mississippi to me.
1: And that's and when you took the words out of my mouth, the dirt taste and it smells like the sun, whatever right. that smells like. But yes, that is that is the quintessential summer smell to me. That's just Unless you smelled it and <laughs> you don't know what I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, yes. That's I know exact, what you're talking about. Yes, that is a beautiful smell. Tomatoes are supposed to smell like something. They are not supposed to just smell like right. a super center.
0: Correcto, yeah. Chandra. One more question before we go on break, because I'm happy to have you here so I can quiz you about things. Uh, this recipe that I used uh vaguely, to cook my Creole ratatouille, Mm -hmm. call for a spice that we don't often use, and that is mace. Do you use mace? Do you fool with
1: it? You know what? This is, I mean, what what are y'all doing to me today? Like, I mean, I have been in so many different things. I am fascinated by mace. Um, I think of it as an old-fashioned spice. Mm -hmm. And so I have been trying to figure out because I just remember seeing it in my grandmother's kitchen she never used it.
0: <laughs> it was just there. It was just
1: there, but when I would re- when I look in old cookbooks and things, um I would always see like mace and it would be used in a small amount. So I'm fascinated about mace. I want to find ways to uh reinvigorate the use of mace. So um I have not used it enough.
0: Well, I saw it uh, recently in the New Orleans Cookbook, which mm-hmm. is an old one. It was published in the seventies. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite cookbooks on the planet by Richard and Rima Collin. Mm-hmm. He was the food critic, the underground gourmet in New Orleans when mm-hmm. I lived down there in the mid seventies. Uh, mm-hmm. But in his cookbook, the New Orleans Cookbook, mm-hmm. there are many dishes where he adds a bit mm-hmm. of mace, right? And and so I I did a little research. While I was thinking about it. it's a cousin to nutmeg.
1: I can believe that. It actually
0: yeah. comes from the nutmeg. Uh-huh. They take the fruit off of the mm-hmm. nutmeg. They open up the, it's the exterior uh-huh. of the nut. Mm-hmm. And it, that's where gra- that's ground the mace. mace comes from. So it tastes, it's not as sweet as nutmeg, mm-hmm. but as pungent as nutmeg.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense.
0: All right. We got Kathy calling from Buckatuna, Mississippi, and she's going to tell us a story. Hello, Kathy. How are you?
1: Hello.
3: I'm fine. How are y'all?
1: We're good. How are you?
3: All right. I was just going to tell you, I have family that lives in Ohio, and what they miss the most in the summer are the tomatoes that taste like sunshine.
0: Mm. Ah. (laughs) Boy, don't they. How's everything? So what kind of produce is grown in Buccatuna? Do y'all have a a sort of...
3: I live in Bucatuna. I live in Pachuda.
0: Pachuda? Yeah. Okay. Well, up here on my screen, it says Buccatuna. So what what, do you grow vegetables? Are there some that are local there to you?
3: Uh, You know, there's a big vineyard that has... uh, Whoop. Different produce here in Clark County, but I do grow, and I grow squash and cucumbers and mm. tomatoes, <laughs> because you, I do love tomatoes.
0: Yeah, boy, I do too. And those are my favorites, the squashes, the cucumbers, the tomatoes, and they all go good together. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a, right. a a container full of... Uh, onions and cucumbers and vinegar in my refrigerator mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. that I'd pound on all day and all the evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, Kathy, thank and for so calling much. in and t- sharing your story that to you, tomatoes taste like sunshine. Okay, I had said that later on the show, we were going to go <clears throat> talk to um, Chef Jerita Fraser king and so we're going to do that sooner rather than later, <clears throat> So we want to welcome her. We, we've seen her Hulu docuseries, Searching for Soul Food, where she's featured uh, and also visited with her Natchez Heritage School of Cooking, where she teaches about the deeper meaning behind Southern cuisine. She also has her own food festival, the Soul Food Fusion Festival. And we are happy to have you here. And welcome to Deep South Dining, Chef Jerita.
3: Good morning. Good morning. How you
1: guys doing? Well, I'm doing very good. Uh I'm gonna fangirl for a really quick second. Um, So I've been following you on social media for a few years now. I think you did a beautiful dinner um, downtown Natchez um, that first got me into what you were doing in Natchez. So this is the first time that I get to say hello to you and to let you know how much of the work that you do in Natchez has inspired me. In so many different ways. So for me, just from that standpoint, it is absolutely, absolutely fangirling for me to be able to talk to you. So I'm done. I'm done gushing.
3: (laughs) I guess I'm doing the same thing here from Natchez with the work that I've been seeing you do. Out in Blueprint and i was like, I gotta get out there with me kids. Like, so uh, it's truly a pleasure to uh, finally
0: talk to you too. So, well, for me, it's just a, <clears throat> a pleasure to be uh, around the two of you. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, we really uh, enjoyed your portion of the searching for soul food. I was wondering if you could tell our listeners how you came to appear in that docu series.
3: Yeah. Uh so Jeff uh Alyssa and her team were trying to research or she the whole base and the concept of what she was doing for searching for soul food was to go and find the remains uh, of soul food. Uh she wanted to start with her own personal family history and started, uh and, and she said the birthplace she felt like the making got reading in this and so when she was doing her research, they looked me up and came across me and they found that that was a lot of what I was doing uh, with my work. Because I asked exciting questions. I think, uh, how did you guys find me? And they was like, Google. <laughs> 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 I can be Google so, uh, But uh, when, when they came, they wanted to talk about not only the Constitution, Of uh, African American or enslaved women, but also the full circle, the whole pot of gumbo. Everybody, all play a role. uh, You know, enslaved people as well as you know the indigenous and other cultures have all made contributions to what we call the soul today. Absolutely.
0: One of the things that you said in your segment that I was really intrigued by was you said that you did not necessarily think. That soul food was uh, African American. You thought it was just food that touched the soul. Is, do I have that right?
3: Right. right. And, and I said that because and, and I got, and it was people that said things to me online that were not so nice, but I had to explain because, you know, in that show, you film about eight hours and mm-hmm. they get a four minutes to, of information, but uh, a big part of my own personal family history and is the story that I share, is we come from a mixed race uh, background. And hearing my grandmother, who was teaching some telling those stories, when she was younger, of how she would have, you know, white family members or, Native family members or other type of family members coming and there and say, oh, that's a white person. And she was always told, hey, look, us don't know no color. That's family. Mm-hmm. And so these are the foods that we had uh, always. it was 14 of them. So... It's a big family. I have a whole bunch of cousins. And so that's, these are the dishes and the food that we have whenever we come together. So it's what makes us feel good, and it makes us feel what, like we're home.
0: Well, I don't want to bring up a, a negative topic, but uh, from what I could tell from watching the documentary, you actually lost your grandmother mm-hmm. sometime between the time the filming was done and the airing of the of the show. Is that correct?
3: Yes, sir. Uh, I actually lost my grandmother. Uh, my aunt was killed about three months after that, mm-hmm. and my um uh, passed in the same week. So uh, six months later, we lost our other aunt. So, like, this show has brought a little sunshine to my family uh, for us to be able to, you know, have that memory of grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, have to record. So you know, it's so special. That was the last time I actually cooked with her because about a month before we did the filming, she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So, mm-hmm. uh, It was a feat just for her to get there, but she she made it. She enjoyed filming that day, uh, and she was telling me how proud of me she was. So I'm trying to keep her legacy going Mm -hmm. on the cookbook right now. Uh, "Things My grandmother told me uh, recipes from the heart, and so it's going to be an interactive cookbook where people can uh, take pictures of their family while they're doing the recipes, and also, um, they can also, um, you
0: know, write in journal them too on your copy paper, right? Well, I hope that you got access to all of the the eight hours of filming that mm-hmm. includes four generations of your family and all of what we saw on the the Hulu uh, docu series was just a, a little taste of your daughter. Uh, your mother, your grandmother, and you all sort of sharing that meal. I hope you have all of the footage so that you and your family can enjoy that for mm-hmm. many, many years Absolutely. to come.
3: At
1: they say it take
3: some time, but they're going to send uh, some more of that footage, and we're going to put together something for the family. Great. Said.
0: Well, tell us about the Natchez Heritage School of Cooking. Uh, tell us what you do, how you do it, and uh, how our listeners can become engaged in it.
3: So, like I said, uh, we teach people about the history of social teach and how African-Americans as well as Native American women uh, have contributed what we call Southern soulful mm-hmm. today. You don't talk a lot about the contribution of enslaved women in that role. A lot of times the African-American woman, you know, or that role, or many people call it the men, uh, is seen very, very negative, but I always like to be it in the because if it wasn't for that person a lot of people would be around today uh in the strength that and so in the show i said too that back when they had to be in they had to design these out of the they had to take what little bit that they had and bring those things to create these, so they to so enjoy today come so from all over the world uh to come to the south just to have Soul
0: food, but that's food. We're going to take a short break and work on our uh, connection here with uh, Chef Jarita Fraser King from Natchez, Mississippi, and the Natchez Heritage School of Cooking. And I'm, we're going to ask her about the Soul Food Fusion Festival, which I'm really interested in. All right. We're on the phone with uh, Chef Jerita Frazier King from Natchez, Mississippi, the original creative economy in Mississippi. Hello, Chef. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. I'm doing great.
0: Sounding good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to ask you a little bit about the Natchez Heritage School of Cooking. Could you just summarize a little bit? Uh, we had a call, uh, one of our listeners call and ask for a little more detail. If you could tell us one more time about the Natchez Heritage School of Cooking.
3: Uh, yes, like I said, we are located here, you know, in Natchez, the oldest settlement on the Mississippi River. And what we do is, like I said, we tell stories on a plate in the roots and history of soul food dishes, and how enslaved African-Americans and Native Americans played an influence on what we call Southern soul food today. And so when people come to the Heritage School, we not only give them a little bit of the historical content, we also want to talk about those uh, contributions, uh, like I said, that enslaved women or the domestic slave woman made to society not only just to uh soul food dishes Mm -hmm. or to the culinary experience but also that role like i said that we talk about when people a lot of times we see it in a negative light Mm -hmm. but i always say that black women Where those sheroes, you know, because they had to take, you know, (laughs) dishes and, you know, create something out of it. like I say, they had to be food engineers. That was the first time you're going to see something engineered or designed because uh, in historical content, a lot of times we had to depend on the Native Americans or we had to depend on others for that adjustment. But something beautiful came out of that. Now today we have all of these dishes. I, you know I and I think
1: Jeff I think that you know I think that's part of why you know the appreciation that I have for what you do and the way that you do it because a lot of the work that I do I'm from West Point Mississippi and I say that all the time so people probably are sick of me saying it but um, <laughs> so I grew up in West Point and West Point is a really small small city town village hamlet whatever and a lot of the things that I just remember as a kid is that that it was just such a an organic thing about the women in the way that they supported community in all sense of the word and if that was feeding people you know food if that was caring for and being a mother to people it was providing of food it was growing of food my grandmother um i didn't my mom's mom um she was what they called a domestic um i never met her because she passed when my mom was 11 years old but just hearing stories about what she did And hearing my mom talk about food and the things that she remembered as a kid and her being the only girl out of seven boys and trying to carry that on in her brothers, you know, uh, ragging on her cooking (laughs) until she buried my dad. And, you know, so she my mom is an exceptional cook. But I just appreciate that people are understanding and giving homage to women, especially indigenous and southern black rural women um, who are just the Epitome and the just the the just the cornerstone for food, period. Not just southern food, but just food as a culture as it relates to any culinary arts thing. That we do not get enough of the proper acknowledgement and flowers for that. So every time I hear someone mentioning that, understanding that, and lifting that up, I have to just like applaud that, and that makes me want to go even harder in what it is that I do. So I just want to say, you know, again, thank you for bringing that up so clearly and so definitely.
3: Right. Thank you. And, and all we have left are those stories of mm-hmm. the ancestors and uh, me sitting there. Like I said, my grandmother is one, she's the third or the oldest of 14 children. Mm-hmm. And so my grand, my great grandmother was the church missionary. Uh, and if anybody know about church missionary, you go visit the sick <laughs> and shut mm-hmm. in. <laughs> oh, yes. You go take communion to people when yes. they're down. And so uh, having those experiences when I was younger, when we came back, we always came back with they say with bits of peas and greens and everything like that. And so even me being younger, you know, learning about this is something that feeds the soul and feeds the community because Absolutely. they didn't have money to pay her yeah. um, to come out. She would pray for them. But they would give her things. And with 14 children, that was invaluable. So just looking at, you know, these things and, and how that just cycle just keeps on, you know, going. So like I say, it's really a food for the soul. Absolutely. Uh, even though I, I always give tribute to African-American women. Um, but in the South, when we look at it, too, during that time and our conditions, everybody was eating the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were poor you You ate the same thing. It wasn't a uh somebody eating better than somebody or you having something different, now, unless you were doing the enslaved times, it may have been a difference then, but if you were poor, black and white, you ate the same thing and that's very true, and the
1: other thing about it too is that I don't think a lot of rural people knew in a sense or they didn't feel like they were poor. In the, cause for them, like the land was abundant, family mm. was abundant, you know, mm. hunting, fishing, you know, just the, the legacy of the people that was in abundance. And so food has always been like one of those things. If we have, we share. And I think that that's just always been like the underlining thing um, as part of my culture, as part of just what I saw growing up, what I still remember, what I pull and, and draw resource from in the work that I do. It's it's that moment, because I think a lot of times people, when they hear things like enslaved and they hear Southern and rule, they think of despondent and they think of lack and they think of like it was less than when I hear southern and rural and those things I think of bounty, I think of the fullness because that is not this romantic idea of what I thought it was. This is what I experienced. This is what I Mm -hmm. saw. This is what I grew up in and love. Mm -hmm. And when people say community, community was not just down the street. Like it was just, (laughs) you know, like the church was the hotline. If somebody needed something, if something was going on, if somebody was in some sort of peril, You heard about it through the church and they jumped into action. And so that's what I that's part of the things that I always look at those things and where I'm from with such immense pride and honor. And just in I think the work that we do in honoring and and making sure that those people aren't forgotten. We do it with a sense of like gratitude, like just we know where that comes from. And it's a beautiful thing.
0: So earlier in the show, Chef, we were talking about Smith County and their reputation for tomatoes and uh, watermelons and such. Is there a particular uh, food that is uh, representative of the Natchez region that you think about Uh, when people think about Natchez? Do they think about a certain kind of food or produce?
3: well i I think the I think a lot of times people don't realize um, the background of Natchez Natchez is such a special place. I'm not just saying it because I'm from here, <laughs> <laughs> but I always tell people Natchez was the region of Gumbo because mm-hmm. if you think about it culturally uh we're probably like I say being the oldest settlement here, we have influences and you can see it all over our city of french native American um Spanish. the Canadian yeah. Spanish yes everybody and so you know of course they left natchez to go on down the river to discover new orleans so right now we're coined as a little easy town um mm-hmm. uh, we're not as busy, busy <laughs> as new orleans uh but we're coined as a little easy so with all of those influences here uh we l heavily on a um kind of a creole southern you know town mm-hmm. down here so uh People just geographically don't understand maybe that history and that context of that. But um, we always say we, we, we were the reason to gumbo. And of course, with the gumbo, you hear African American influences in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about the uh, succotash. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, we just have so much uh, rich history here. So I just can't name just a one, it's just all of it. <laughs>
0: right. Well, I'd like to know a little bit more about your Soul Food Fusion Festival Mm -hmm. and when it is and how people can attend and what goes on there.
3: And so I um, we traditionally were having the Soul Food Fusion Festival in June on that Juneteenth weekend. Uh, But since that has become a national holiday, we moved it to uh, September. And uh, it's going to be September 15th and 16th. But the whole concept behind that, was us bringing people to the table of me, you know, thinking about how I grew up, and you know, we 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 have our challenges. Still, we can still be a community divided, mm-hmm. but we also can be uh, one people. Because, like you said earlier, I think Mississippi greatest asset is the people mm-hmm. here. Uh, that's what makes us the hospitality state and who we are. But I wanted to have an experience to where when we all come to the table, it's not about race, it's not about creed, creed, it's not about any of that thing. No gender, anything. We all just come to the table to celebrate with one another, to commune and fellowship together. And as you know, in African American cultures and, and in other cultures, when there is a burial, it's done with white linen because it's a rebirth and it's new and pure beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we started doing the White Linen Community Dining Table experiences, and not only that, it served as a fundraiser for my nonprofit organization, Southwest Wellness Association of Mississippi, because we help give back to the community. We work with um, disengaged youth and reentry adults, teaching and workforce and job skills training. And so this was a fundraiser event, you know, for us to be able to continue our work uh, here in the community. Mm-hmm.
0: It's fascinating. So Mm -hmm. at the uh, festival, do you have panels or just food? Uh, How how does it look?
3: So on that Friday, we do barbecue blues and brews. uh, And it is most of the local restaurants, they have all participated and been a part of um, the ones that do barbecue dishes. And they provide dishes and people can sample those dishes. We have a uh, microbrewery here. They provide us with, you know, samples for beer and people get to listen to the good blues. Uh, you know we have a blues trail here as well uh, in Natchez with the legendary YZ Easy, so he generally comes out to perform uh, for us. Uh, he's a family, personal family mm-hmm. friend, and so he normally <laughs> he's ninety, almost ninety years old, and oh, he wow. just comes out to perform for us. And then on that Saturday is the community dining table uh, experience. But this year we were wanting to add a fun day earlier in the day for, you know, parents to come out with their kids because this experience is not traditionally, you know, a kid-friendly, you know, experience. Uh, this year we changed the format a little. Uh, not only are we having our community dining table because we set our community dining table for 100 people uh but this year and people get up and move and get up move around. But this year we're gonna add a little dinner in Blanc style to it. So we're letting people bring to our table so people are able this year to bring their own table and set up their table and we're gonna have somebody to go around to sample these different dishes. They they're gonna let us that sample something nice. from yeah. their table. Yeah. So uh and they and it's fun. Um everybody's excited. You know, they say we want to come, you know, bring something to the table. They're going to come out, you know, bring their, their group, their family, you know, with them. Uh, everybody's going to be dressed in all white. Um, and we're going to have some exciting sponsors. Uh, I think this year we're still waiting on a lot of that to uh, come in. And so uh, we're going to have a good time. We can't put the location out yet since mm-hmm. we do it in the Al Blanc style. <laughs> <laughs> but the location is going to be uh you know, out the day before, uh, but again, like I said, it's, it's for a good cause. It's a, I say, it's a celebration. You know, with a purpose. So,
0: great. Can you tell uh, our listeners how to find information about what you do, about the school, about the festival, and all of that?
3: Right. Uh the you can purchase tickets right now on the event break. Uh we are on social media, Facebook and Instagram, National Heritage School of Cooking. uh we will be reopening our restaurant uh in mid August uh for people to come in and sit down and have uh meals and we are opening a uh patio patio bar and grill to so where people can come and hear live music and different things on the patio. And also we have a soul is so Food it's Soul Food Soul Food Fusion Fest Natches <laughs> website uh that you can go to too. Um and I'm also on social media at Jarita Fraser King, uh Jerita King, Agent for Change as well on uh social media.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining yes, us this you morning. So I, you got a lot going on, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we want to stay plugged in and connected, so don't be a stranger. Uh, we'd love to have you back as we get closer to your festival or some other activities that you've got I going on. would
3: love to have you guys down for the festival. Put it on your calendar, September 16th. <laughs> right. I wrote
0: it
1: down All while right. you were talking. I definitely did. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much, uh, Chef Jarita Fraser King from Natchez, Mississippi. Thank you, if you're chef. thinking about making a, a, a trip over to Natchez, put her on your list. Go by and check out the Natchez Heritage School of Cooking. And certainly in September, you might want to partake in the uh, Soul Food Fusion Fest, which is now in September. We appreciate all the info that she brings to the table, and if you have Hulu, watch the docu series um, "Searching for Soul Food." Episode
2: one is all about it's the Mississippi, first one, yeah. and um, and uh, Chef Jarita, she's right there at the um, Heritage Cooking School, talking about you know what she just. Wrapped up, yeah. <laughs> that has Enrica grinning from ear to ear.
1: <laughs> Get out of my business, y'all.
0: <laughs> well, Enrica, we appreciate you joining oh, us this wow, morning. this has been uh, amazing It's been great. Please yes. come back always. Oh, uh, as long
1: as you invite me, I'm coming.
0: Tell tell us what's happening quickly in your world. If, if there's any news that you um,
1: want to share, I'm just you know I'm on a, in a on a lightweight you know rest and recharge and right now. But you know the chef and me won't stop. So I'm just I've been reading a lot of things in 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 reference to reading. I'm going. To be um, moderating a panel with the Mississippi um, Book Festival. Um, They're going to have a cookbook segment, and so I'm going to be uh, the moderator with some amazing. cookbook authors and chefs, um, and that is going to be August 19th right. down at the state capitol. Down at
0: the state capitol. And yes. tell us who's on your panel.
1: Oh, yeah. On the panel, um, it is um, um, Chef um, Erica Council, um, the, uh, um, Ed and Ryan Mitchell, and also um, Jocelyn Delk, Adams, and each of them have a new cookbook out. Um, Erica Council's cookbook is not out yet, but the other two, and they're actually at Lemuria's Another plug. Um, And so I'm going to talk to them about their cookbooks. This is the first time that I'm moderating a panel and talking about food on um, such a scale. So I'm both excited and terrified.
0: (laughs) So that's the Mississippi (laughs) Book Festival, August the 19th. Yes. At the Mississippi State Capitol. Do you know the time yet for your panel? I do not
1: know the time yet for the panel. um, But if they go, the um, Mississippi Book Festival is definitely on Instagram as well as Facebook. And they are loading up new information every day. As we speak. As we speak, yeah.
0: So let's keep those watermelons, tomatoes, and uh, that succotash (laughs) and (laughs) all those good foods coming.
1: Larapin.
0: Larapin. It's a summertime in Mississippi. Thanks again. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners like yourself, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman for my very special guest host, Enrica Williams, and our guest chef, Jerita Fraser king from Natchez. I'm Malcolm White. We ask that you now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's program. Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And please join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining heard only on MPB Think Radio. We're also rebroadcast on Sunday mornings at 9. So if you miss us on Monday... We reappear on Sunday, and you can podcast us anytime in any way. Thank you. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your
3: iPhone or Android phone on demand.